Welcome back to another edition of Al Qaeda the podcast. I'm Michael Kraft. I'm joined by both of our new co-hosts, Eli Hadley and Maddie Berry. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Doing good. Thank you. Shocks. Well, it's it's been a couple of weeks since we've had both of you in here. Um, but yeah, I, I guess like we kind of talked about before, um, for this week, um, I wanted to, to, to focus on, make this kind of like a joint episode with our new Friday stories feature that we do on our Instagram page and kind of go off of, of that. So this week for our Friday stories, you can watch, you can uh, find that coming on this Friday on our Instagram at Pod. But we're going to kind of feature our favorite movie scenes. And so I wanted to just talk about that right now. So, um, yeah, we'll just head off with that. Awesome. Uh, do you mind if I go first? Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. Um, so I was watching the scene last night from the movie Schindler's List, and um, it's a very difficult movie to watch, but I do believe it's an important movie that everyone should should see at, one, at least once in their life. Uh, the scene in question is when uh, Liam Neeson's character, Oscar Schindler, he is um, leaving the factory that he's uh, basically been using to save over 1,000 Jews, Jews from being uh, exterminated at the death camps in Poland. Um, and he's being thanked by all the people he's he's saved, and by his uh, his Jewish accountant, who's kind of worked alongside him during the entire movie, and has kind of seen uh, Schindler transform from this uh, very kind of pompous and, and uncaring Nazi official uh, into someone who's saved over a thousand lives. Um, and so during the scene, they give him this ring that they made, and it has this little Hebrew quotation on it that says, uh, "Whoever saves one life saves the world entire." And so then Schindler, he starts breaking down in tears, and he, he keeps repeating the line that, I could have done more. I should have done more. I should have saved more people. Um, he's experiencing this kind of survivor's guilt, from what I could see. Mm-hmm. Um, or just, he's lamenting about what he could have done and not focusing on what he has done. You know, there's this strong sense of guilt or this regret. Um, and then the people around him, uh, his, his accountant, Itchstock, played by Ben, ben Kingsley, uh, he looks at him in the eye and he says, look at those around you. Uh, 1,000 different generations will live because of you. And I was reading today that um, there are over about 10,000 descendants of those 1,000 that he saved. Um, and Liam Neeson does such a great job you know, with his, uh, his acting and just this broken heart and contrite spirit. Um, and, you know, he keeps on saying, I could have done more. <laughs> and... Um, that line, I could have done more, reminds me a lot of all four of my grandparents who they've done amazing things in their lives. They've helped so many people, whether it be, you know, through um, spiritual help, uh, financial help or other things or emotional help as well. Uh, they've done so much. And yet <laughs> whenever I talk to them, they always sound like they they wish they'd done more. And I kind of want to say to them, well, think of what you have done, right? Think of, you know, how better the world is off because of you. Um and then during the scene, you have John Williams' beautiful music uh, playing, too, as he gets in his car and he escapes um, from Poland. Um, and, you know, that, that scene of just a broken-hearted man who's transformed completely in this beautiful, redemptive story, uh, that just makes it one of my favorite scenes in a movie. So, Shoot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that was a lot to take in. Yeah, that, that's a lot. Um I actually definitely have never seen Schindler's List. Me either. I've had many, many opportunities to watch it, and I've always been like, shoot, I don't want to feel <laughs> sad right now. Yeah. Maybe I want to feel sad later. 
But no, um, all jokes aside, I think I really do like that and kind of that. I think all of us can can relate to that sentiment of I could have done more, I should have done more. Like looking back, you always feel like, mm-hmm. oh, if I had done this thing differently, if I had done that, if I had you know just tried a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's it is beautiful. Um, kind of the counterpoint to that when it's like. Well, yeah, but also look what you did do. You, mm-hmm. you did a lot of good stuff, um, and I think it's—I think that's really beautiful. I don't think you know we should feel sort of self-satisfied and be like, okay, I guess I'm done. But sometimes it's good we should give ourselves credit for the things that we have done, because at least I know in this room you two have done a lot of great stuff. So, oh, thanks, um, Michael. I think also along with that, I think a lot of times we don't know like the impact of what we do mm-hmm. um so looking at his character for example how many descendants there have been because of him um a lot of times i don't think we really take that into account sometimes we'll hear some people talk about how they do know like okay because i made this decision this was able to happen in my family or whatever but i think a lot of times we don't and so we do something maybe something really really difficult and we just think like, did I really do enough, mm-hmm. you know? And you don't realize years after, even without even, because it's just life, like, those things wouldn't have been possible without a sacrifice. So I think that's something pretty much we can all relate to. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, you know, um, I'll let you guys get on to your favorite scenes in a, in a couple seconds. No, but, keep going. Um, yeah, that, that reminds me of two people, one fictional, one real. So George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, you know, mm-hmm. he has to go through this depression and, um, this frustration and almost committing suicide uh, to realize, wait, I've done so much good for the people around me. You know, think about he has to literally see what the world would be like if he had never been born. Right. Um, and kind of tying him in with, you know, a real person like Oscar Schindler, uh, who is played by Liam Neeson. Um, and just understanding there is such an impact. Every single one of us, you know, the power of a one, every single one of us can have such a huge impact, like a, like ripples, uh, on a pond, right? You know, it, they all impact one another. You know, every every action has a, a reaction on somebody else. And so it makes me want, really want to think about how am I going to impact people in life? Um, but also a big reminder, like, like, don't let me beat myself up, right? You know, I am doing enough. I'm doing okay. Um, and then I'll let you guys get on to your, your own favorite scenes. In no, you're good. Uh, I think about my, my grandfather and my uh, father's side. So my aunt, Julie, she was adopted from Brazil, and my grandpa told me this story with tears in his eyes. Um, so he had been looking to adopt a baby girl because I think all he had were boys at the time when he was living in Brazil. My dad was maybe like three or four years old. Um, and so he went to a, uh, a convent, and he asked the nuns you know, if they had any um, baby girls that were up for adoption. And they had to check and make sure that he was being honest because... He said there were a lot of families who would, they'd adopt baby girls and then raise them to be a maid or a servant. Mm-hmm. And so he adopted the baby, right, who is now my Aunt Julie, uh, living happily, um, you know, nearby him. And he told me, you know, if he hadn't adopted her, she probably would have ended up in, in prostitution, right? Yeah. Um, and he said to me, and I'll, I'll get done with this story soon, he said to me when he was holding the little baby, you know, he felt that he could hear her, you know, even though she couldn't talk, she was just a baby. He felt that he he could hear her say, you know, take care of me, love me. 
Um, and thanks to that kind, selfless action, and then the thousands of other actions he's taken in his life, um, people are just better off. So I think, you know, and it's amazing that a piece of film, you know, a, a piece of cinema could make me feel something like that, could make me think about something like that. And I just, uh, in that, I see is the real power of cinema. That's I think we're done. That was great. No, that, that's some powerful stuff right yeah. there. Um, awesome. uh, when you're talking about John Julie, um, I, I really could, you know, I, I could feel how much, you know, that means to you. And I related, I related to that uh, quite a bit because um, I was adopted out of Venezuela. And just I always think about it. Um, well, not always, but here and there I'll think about what life would have been like if I never got adopted and I was just hanging out in that orphanage and then aged out and right. shoot, I don't know if you guys see news or anything, but Venezuela is not a great not place to be right, right now. Yeah. And, you know, I, whenever I think about that, I just, it makes me realize how lucky I am um, and how just kind of like small actions from different people that might not seem that big, they change like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Eli told me to apply at the Kielakai, and now we're here, you know? So, like, it's, it's um, little things can, can, can go a long way. Um, and I guess that kind of goes into, into my favorite scene. Um, it's from a, a play. Uh, it's called um, uh, Death of a Salesman. Um, but there's, a, there's a, I guess, a, a film version of it mm-hmm. uh, where they, it's acted out the same way as, like, a play, like, on a stage. But they have cameras there, and um, so I guess like a movie. But um, yeah, so this this uh, the scene in question it involves um, Dustin Hoffman, um, who's the the father of this family, um, and he's the salesman who the play is named after, and his son played by um, John Malkovich. Um, I think his name is uh, it's got to be Biff Lohman, mm. um, and kind of throughout the whole play, it's dealing with this sort of issue where. This father, he feels, um, Willie Loman, he feels like, you know, I've, he's about to retire and he feels like I haven't really done that much with my life. I've tried to provide for my family, I've tried to do everything, but, you know, it kind of feels a little bit inconsequential now that he's at the end of his career and he's like, all these people who I thought, you know, thought super highly of me where I work, they barely know me. You know, my kids are leaving off to do their jobs and things. What can I, what can I do? Um, and he starts to feel like, shoot, I don't, I, there's nothing left for me to do. They're kind of running low on money. And so he starts to, to get into his head that he's going to kill himself. Um, but before that, take out a life insurance policy so that he can set his family up. I don't know if he knew how life insurance works, that you can't just take out a big life insurance and then kill yourself. And But um, so uh, the, the, the scene that I love is... is I guess the second to last, third to last scene, but it's this confrontation between his son Biff Loman, who's kind of been like the sort of the the shining the shining kid. Mm-hmm. He was the high school quarterback. He did really well in school and and all of that. Um, but now he's kind of like heart going from job to job, from place to place. He's grown now, but he's just moved back into his family's house, and it's not you know it kind of like has that a lot of tension with his father mm-hmm. because he knows his father is. Um, planning on killing himself and no one in the house is addressing it everyone in the house knows but it's just kind of like this this sort of um unaddressed 
feeling and issue and and thing that everyone's just like, man, it'll work itself out. Um, and it all comes to a head when when Biff he just calls his dad out and says, hey, listen, um, you've messed up in your life. I've we've all messed up. Um, but this isn't you know don't one don't kill yourself like that's not that's that's never the answer. Um, and he explains to him that he also doesn't want to follow the, the sort of dream that his father had for him, like to be this, mm-hmm. ooh, I want you to be a businessman. I want you to be just like me. He's like, that's not what I want to do. I want to um, go out and, and see the things. I want to smell the air. I want to look at the sky and just sit and feel the sun and just experience life and just, I want to live. I don't want to just make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he tells a story about how he, he was going up to do a job interview and he's walking up these flights of stairs with a pen and he has this line that I really liked. He says, he, he stopped and he said, why am I making a contemptuous begging fool of myself when I could just be out there doing whatever I wanted? And I was like, Oh wow. That, that kind of hits hard. Like what, why, why do we waste our time sometimes doing things we don't want to do just because we feel like that's the thing. Oh, I'm just supposed to do it. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I watched the movie when I was, must have been, I guess, I don't know, 16, 17. But it's always stuck with me, just that kind of idea that you don't have to do the thing you're supposed to do. You have to find what makes you happy and do that. I like that. Um, something that reminds me of the at graduation in December here. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, the speaker, she mentioned, she's a history major, right? Mm-hmm. She's one of like three history majors that graduated. And, you know, she said like, it's a very rare major. And a lot of times people asked her like, what, what are you planning to do with that? You know? And that's a yeah. big question for them. And she said, she's like, you know, we are taught to get ourselves into a profession where we can make money to support ourselves. She's like, that is very important. She said, but it should not come at the expense of our happiness. Yeah. And for her, like, that's what made her really happy was doing that. She's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to find something because mm-hmm. I'd rather do what makes me happy. 100%. I think, I guess both of you are psychology majors, but I get mm-hmm. that all the time. When I tell people I'm a communications major, they say, oh, so what does that mean? What are you going <laughs> to do? I'm like, well, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure what exactly I'm going to do. But I don't know. I think a lot of people didn't know what exactly they were going to do when they're 22 years old and I, I remember when I when I picked this major it was I guess a couple of semesters back but I said shoot by golly this just makes me happy and I love doing it and I told my dad and he said honestly I mean do whatever I graduated I, he had a degree in uh, geology so he was like shoot just <laughs> do what makes you happy and it'll work out just work hard and try your best and I think that's important like if you're doing what makes you happy then why shouldn't that be enough? Yeah, I, like that. I think so too. And I, I really feel that, you know, not knowing what you want to do with, with your major, even uh, like I'm in psychology, but I, every night I'm just like, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> what, I look at all the pages of, you know, it says neuron and soma and, oh my and gosh. basal yes. ganglia. And I'm like, what? Well, mm, Are you what in biopsychology right now? Biopsychology. Wow. Right. Yep. We just had that exam. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, what the heck am I going to do with all this? You know, like, what, what, what's my end goal? And every night, you know, and it, it's, it's like, it's good to know that other people have the same struggles, you know, and then we can all relate to each other. We're all lost little children trying to find our way home in this world. So, yeah. 
But Maddie, I want to know your favorite scene. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the real question of the day. <laughs> so, okay. On a previous podcast, I had mentioned I really like Mary Poppins. So, reason why, you know, we see the funny dancing and animations, and it's good. But I'm not in it for that. I'm in it for the powerful message that is behind all that. And that is that family is more important than work or it should come first. My favorite scene is at the very end of the movie. Um, the dad, Mr. Banks, he quit his job. He came home to his children and they sang the song, Let's Go Fly a Kite, right? Super cute, super light, but very, very powerful um, if you look at it through that perspective. A big reason that I love it so much is because... I mean, obviously, that's powerful in itself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of whimsical, but still powerful. But there was a movie. If you have not seen it, I'd recommend it. It's called Saving Mr. Banks. It is the story of how Mary Poppins came to be. Um, it's a Disney movie. Super great. Tom Hanks uh, plays Walt Disney. It's really good. Anyways, so the so Mary Poppins, it was first a book. Um, now, this woman wrote it. Walt Disney's kids were like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, I want that in a movie because they were reading the book. He's like, oh, I'll make that happen. You know, he's a man of making dreams come true right and so he tried with this author and she just immediately you know said no I think he tried for about 10 years to make this a movie um and he just said like I will fulfill the promise well the reason it was so powerful was because um Mr. Banks character was her dad um in her life and they didn't have the happy ending like in that movie um it was much I won't I wouldn't spoil that movie but it was a lot more tragic and um it just kind of shows her upbringing and stuff but that scene so they went to the premiere of the movie obviously she went um with walt disney and everything and they were watching it and when that scene happened um she just kind of starts tearing up no she was not an emotional person <laughs> at all um very very stern person and so she kind of was getting emotional and you know kind of catches herself like okay don't do that and then um he just said like you know, you can let your dad go. Like, it's okay. Mind you, by this time, she's, like, much older, so he's passed away. Um, and she just starts, like, sobbing when um, he starts singing that song. Um, just because, obviously, that didn't happen, but she was able to leave such a powerful legacy for her dad by um, creating that movie. And he didn't even know about it or anything, or writing the book, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, super powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but that Saving Mr. Banks movie made it even more powerful because it just reminds us that you can take a really crummy situation it was a very very hard upbringing and she made it into something absolutely incredible um with such a deep message um there's just a lot i think that you can take from it but i love that scene so much because i think that um any adult can benefit from watching that even though they might not think mary poppins is for them it's a very very powerful takeaway so i really like that scene quite a bit (laughs) yeah Golly, that's, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that, that's really great. It reminded me of, um, I was kind of struggling between which two movie scenes to, to pick for, for today. And it reminded me of the other one that I was thinking of, um, it's from a movie called About Time. Oh, so um, good. I don't know if you've seen it also, right, but it's, it's about guy. this, um, Watch it. <laughs> super quick, like, recap. It's about basically this, um, family where the men in the family, they can, uh, basically just travel through time. They go into like a dark room, close their eyes and pick a time and from their life that they can remember. And then they can just start from there. Um, but there's a, uh, obviously as people do, you know, you grow up, you age and you die. And so the main character, his father, he gets cancer and he passes away. 
Mm-hmm. But if you can travel back in time, you know, it's not like you're losing your your parent forever. So he'll always go back and, you know, talk to his dad and, and just kind of like hang out with him. But then when his um, he has another child, the, the main character, and so he can't go back before that because then, you know, it'll it'll mess up with, with his kid. And so it's the last time that he goes to see his dad and, and his dad is like, oh, it's your last time because uh, you have another kid. And he was like, yeah, so the baby's about to come, so this is the last time I'm ever going to see you. And so they just hang out and they go for like a, uh, a a run on the beach and they just like, it's 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 one of the most beautiful scenes. And it really, it really like, it brought tears to my eyes. And I don't, I don't cry at movies, but <laughs> it, it, it really got me. And it, and kind of similar to um, Mary Poppins in that just kind of the relationship between child children and their parents and their fathers and, and that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's powerful stuff. It really is. And I think it's powerful because it's something everyone can relate to, you mm-hmm. know, no matter what, um, no matter how your relationship is with your dad. Because really Mary Poppins, I mean, the relationship is that it wasn't good, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about time, it's a bit of a better relationship. So it's kind of like regardless of it, it's things that anyone can relate to. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy we're all so sentimental right now. This is great. Um, I, yeah, I love talking. You talking about Mary Poppins and how, you know, these, you know, fathers and mother relationships. It's something that we deal with every day of our lives, you know. And as we we go into the future and we are role models and maybe fathers and mothers to other people, um, I think it's just so important to remember those little lessons that movies can teach us, right? You know, because they can be they can be way more than entertainment, right? Um, I was thinking about uh, Wally, my favorite Disney movie, um, and just in particular the the one scene where he's watching the that old musical, and his eyes are getting really really wide. He's looking with this like wide eyed wonder, and he's like he's learning about love from that musical, and he's trying to make a connection with Eve, the the really clean robot that comes to find the plant, um, and I don't know, it, it's just such a it's done without any dialogue. It's done. It's done so well and so beautifully. And then you know we go to this, the big ship where all the humans are, and they've lost their touch of humanity. And I think the big takeaway from Wally, um, especially just his like wonder that he shows at everything. You know, he. I also really love the shot where he's hanging onto the ship, and he's like puts his hand up in the rings of Saturn, and he sees like the stars swirl around him, and he's so amazed by it. It's that little childlike wonder that I I think we are so desperate to recover from our childhood, you know, because adulthood makes us all cynical and everything, worrying about careers and whatnot. But it's important to have movies like Mary Poppins and WALL-E and, and other things um, and about time to, uh, to remember that, you know, we should be curious. We should be able to, you know, see the humanity and the beauty and everything. And so that's just where WALL-E gets me. That reminds me of um, one thing that my mom always would tell us as kids. She would tell us um, it's a really sad day when you kind of lose the the sparkle in your eyes and you, and you just like, everything kind of becomes dull and gray. I would always try and make sure that, you know, we didn't lose that in our in ourselves. So we would always kind of look for the beauty and whatever there was around us. Um, and I think that that's been one of the most valuable things that she's taught um, my sister and I definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it kind of ties into, you know, everything we've talked about from all the movies. I think what ties it together is, is love. Um, the love of, you know, parents and um, the love for people who, um, you know, you're, you're not related to anyway, like in Schindler's List, but you just have 
compassion for because mm-hmm. they're human beings. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's a beautiful thing that movies and film can can bring so much emotion and um, that sort of they can they can help us experience things that um, happen in life that we are not entirely aware of that we that we've experienced it and that we need to um, sort of process. Um, I, I really I'm a big fan of of cinema and movies for for that aspect of it. Um, but that being said, that's about all the time we've got for for our show today. Um, but thanks so much for for coming through. Um, and we'll be back again next week, um, same time, same place. So. Till then. Thanks for having us. Thank you.